Hello, Metro Augusta. This is Janice Allen Jackson welcoming you to the July 20th edition of Local Matters, a show designed to make you a more confident voter and a more engaged citizen. Today's show is brought to you as a service of my consulting firm, and that is Janice Allen Jackson and Associates. Today, we continue our discussions about the criminal justice system in Georgia. If you missed last week's episode with Augusta Circuit District Attorney Jarrett Williams, please go to my website, JaniceAllenJackson.Weebly.com, where there is a Local Matters tab. Or if you're on Facebook, check out our new Local Matters Podcast of Georgia Facebook page. Once there, you can listen to and share that post with others. And please like and follow the Local Matters Podcast of Georgia Facebook page so that you will get notifications when we post new episodes. That particular episode is also available on video. If you go to YouTube and see the Local Matters Podcast of Georgia, please watch the interview in its entirety and please subscribe to my channel. For today's show, we have Dr. Donna Moraine, who will discuss her experiences watching what happens in our local courts. But before we get to her, I want to follow up to let you know when we'll know when who will run to fill the unexpired term of former tax commissioner Stephen Kendrick. Last week, I talked about the process to select a permanent tax commissioner and Georgia law that governs that process. Now, based upon the actions of the Richmond County Board of Elections, we know that the special election will take place on Tuesday, November 8th, at the same time that we vote for governor, U.S. Senate, and several other races. The Richmond County Board of Elections set candidate qualifying for the week of August 22nd through the 26th. So by the close of business on August 26th, we will know who are our choices for Richmond County Tax Commissioner. The winner will serve for about two years to include all of calendar years 2023 and 2024. And of course, during the campaign, Local Matters will bring the candidates in so you can learn more about what they bring to the table. But now it's time to focus on today's show. And from this show, if you don't learn anything else, our guest is proof of how one person can make a difference. So if you're wondering what you might be able to do, please take a listen carefully to see what she's done. And you can join her in her efforts to watch our courts and advocate for our most vulnerable populations, or there may be something else that you can do as well. Thanks for joining Local Matters today. And I hope you interview, enjoy my interview with Dr. Moraine. Local Matters family, today is one of those episodes when we have someone who is already a member of the Local Matters family. She's a regular listener of ours <clears throat> to come on and be a guest. Um, she has taken on a very unique role 
after a relatively short time in our community. And she is Dr. Donna Moraine. How are you doing today, Donna? I'm great. How are you? I am great. Thanks so much for joining Local Matters on the other side of the table. After Thank you so listening. much for this opportunity. You're very, very welcome. Uh, you know, our tradition here on Local Matters is that we ask our guests to talk a little bit about uh, how they got to where they are. Um, you consider yourself a court watcher because that is one of the things that you've taken on um, almost in your spare time, so to speak. Uh, but you also have a professional career and some academic pursuits that brought you to the Augusta area. So if you could kind of review those with our audience, I think they would appreciate it. Yeah, so I uh, was living in Miami, Florida. That's where I spent my whole life. And so my husband got a job here in the Augusta area and I was concerned initially coming to a much smaller community than I was used to. But as soon as I moved here, I fell so deeply in love with Augusta. And uh, when I moved at, when, at the start of the pandemic, I was able to finish my PhD in ecology remotely and at, in December, 2020. And after that, I needed a break from science. So luckily, a opportunity in the public defender's office to do an AmeriCorps year of service came up and it focused on data. I'm trained in how to handle data. So that was a perfect fit. And I learned a lot over that year that just ended in January. And uh, I saw there was more work to do. And you say my spare time. I had a lot of spare time because my job hunt has taken this long, you know, six months to kind of find a job in my field. And in that time I've been doing uh, the court watching and setting up the Augusta Justice Cooperative website and learning a lot about how things uh, work here and criminal justice issues in Augusta. And that's the Augusta Justice Cooperative? Cooperative. Mm -hmm. okay. Tell us a little justice bit more about that and the, the web address and all that so people can go look and learn more. So the web address is uh, www.augustajustice.org. I know it's a little uh, wordy, but AJC is a great uh, set of initials here in Georgia. So I figured I'd, I'd kind of copy that. And hopefully over the course of time, I plan on doing this work. You know, even with my new job, I'll be able to continue the court watching. And I built that website in the hopes of getting information to Augustans about changes in uh, criminal justice matters in Georgia. And also if folks are interested in court watching, there's every issue, you know, comes through the courts, whether it's, you know, the local school system or foster youth or obviously criminal justice, public health. Like if you're interested in any kind of social issues, you can learn about them in the courts. Okay. Um, and it, it's obvious um, about how local, how relevant local government is, local and state government are when you spend that time in the courts. Um, can you just talk a little bit about which particular co court you usually focus your energy on and why? So um, from my background, I would rather have a complete data set on one court. And because it's just me court watching right now in Richmond County, I focus on um, misdemeanor state court. And specifically, every Tuesday and Thursday, they have what they call their jail clearing session, which is for the folks in the jail uh, because either they had a, they committed a or they were accused of committing a kind of crime where a judge is required to set the bond like family violence uh, matters or they weren't able to make bond and so this is the session where they address folks who who can't make bond to get out of the jail and usually 
the second most common uh, kind of charges is traffic matters that you'll see in this session. And I chose this session because it's our most vulnerable neighbors committing relatively low level crimes. You know, I'm not a lawyer. I don't have an expertise. I'm not preventing some of the, you know, more serious crimes you're seeing in our community, but these relatively minor issues that are often outgrowths of poverty, you know, there's, there's things we can do as non-lawyers that could help in these scenarios. And um, when you say our most vulnerable population and low level crime, let's expound on that a little bit. Um, I know there are situations where people get assessed fines. It's like you either pay the fine or you go to jail and that sort of thing. Is, is that what you're really thinking about here when you say that? Yeah, there's a wide variety. So um, I did give a very short summary to the commission back in May. I forget the exact date, but I could post that so folks can see the broad overview. Um, about 10% of the folks coming through this session are homeless. And so there's presumably very little, if any, funds to get out of the jail or pay probation fines, things like that. Uh, probation has other sessions throughout the week. So you're not gonna see too many of those cases in this session but about 4% of the cases coming through are probation related. They didn't pay their fines. They didn't show up to probation. They didn't complete the required classes or things like that. And often that relates back to poverty because the required classes also cost money. Um, some of the other things we see are, really are very young clients. So there was a law that didn't make it through this past session in the Georgia legislature, but hopefully will be brought up again in January in the next session about raising the age. Georgia's one of only three states that still consider 17 year olds an adult in criminal court. And so we see a number of 17, 18, 19 year olds coming through. So if, if that law were to pass and that's something you can do as an average citizen, right? Your legislature uh, next session or even in the interim to say, hey, we're behind the rest of the country. Let's let 17-year-olds stay in the juvenile court where there's more resources for that age group. So lots of different kinds of people coming through state court. So this past session, it made it all the way up to the last day, sine die. You know, it passed the House and the Senate just needed to vote on it and it didn't make it. So there was a lot of momentum to get that passed, but just with, with everything going on, that's one of the ones that fell by the wayside, but I'm sure it'll be introduced again next session. Okay, and do you see it as the role of the Augusta Justice Cooperative? Is that pursuing legislation? Do you see yourself eventually moving then in that direction where you'll take the watching um, to a level that results in advocacy? Oh, definitely, that's all right. That's where I feel my strong suit is. I'm great at data. I'm great at summarizing, you know, all these observations into a story that I can pass along to people who are in the gold dome, you know, making these laws. And there are several organizations I've already talked to at the state level that need those stories because they're in the state house, but they're not in the courts to see how these things get applied. So that's a very important uh, service to like get the people who are experiencing these laws, get their stories to the people making laws. And so I'd love more court watchers, if you're interested, come on down, you know, because there's so many more sessions to observe. And, you know, we could be, there's different uh, court watching groups in Georgia. There's one in Athens that I'm very close to. They have a newsletter that they put out by email and they have a website where they post them. But so it's like, it's a lot to 
take down the data, to summarize the data, to communicate the data, you know, so there I need if people, if this any at all sparks some interest in you, come on down and, and help us, you know, get these stories out. Okay. And, and that's great. So in addition to the education you're going to provide for us today, it's also a call for volunteers for you that for people who've always had that interest and uh, want to join in the fight to ensure justice uh, in our community, particularly for vulnerable individuals. Yeah, and I know that it's here because I'm part of why I'm doing this work is I'm inspired by people who have already started that process. The local Black Lives Matter chapter uh, used to do some like taking care of people's yards when they got overgrown. You know, if you're elderly or disabled and you can't really keep up with it, you get cited by code enforcement. You know, that's a situation if we had a dedicated uh, group of volunteers on standby instead of assessing that fine, they could call us, you know, and we could just avoid the court altogether. Uh, the two years ago in the summer, there were groups protesting bond inequities, you know, based on race, you know, is it, do they have, if we have that standing data to show certain groups of people are getting assessed higher bonds or higher fees, that's something where the data could tell the story, you know, rather than just, or in addition to the protests, you have the data so that I'm inspired by Augustine's. I know there are people who care about this in this community. And so I'd like us to all come together in whatever space. It could be Augusta Justice, it could be another group, but like there, there's work to do here and we're all doing it separately. So I think it could be great if we if we all were in communication. Okay. And uh, tell me, as you've been doing this, um, I guess in your, uh, when you were working, with the public defender's office, it was part of your job to, to watch and then you just continued to do that. Uh, over this time period, what are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned? Uh, I think that it's tough because there's so many, there's so much to know and so much to see. But I, one of the bigger takeaways is just that it is not at all like you see on TV, you know? Like in, there's so many procedural shows and it, it's always like a beginning, a middle, an end. Everybody's, you know, on on point and everybody, you know, and it's it's not always like that. You know, when paperwork goes missing or when someone doesn't show up or answer their phone, you know, like, and obviously people make mistakes. It's the real world and honest, you know, gap, you know, gaps happen, but like just if there, it seems the court, is often overwhelmed with the number of issues they have to deal with and the number of people they have to deal with. And so if there were resources in the community that could say, hey, we can step in and, and mow that lawn or hey, we, can, we have somewhere for that homeless person to go or hey, mental health services are accessible here. You know, just having that, those resources on hand seems like it would patch some of those gaps that, that end up happening in court. Okay. Uh, yeah, I love it when you say it's not as neat as what you see on TV, because yeah, we have this distorted image of life, I think, now from TV and movies, and real life is a lot messier than the TV makes it, makes it appear. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of folks just coming, I would imagine some days there's just a ton of people parading through a court with a judge having to make pretty much snap decisions um, and that, because I've sat through, I don't think I've sat with session in state court. I have sat through sessions in magistrate court. Um, I happened to be there because there was a loose dog in my neighborhood and 
thinking of things not being as neat as it looks. So my neighbors were the ones that were complaining about the dog and for legitimate reasons, because, you know, school children were walking by on their way home and uh, the dog was threatening to them. Um, but when it came time to show up in court that day, I was the only one who came and they were the ones that had filed a complaint, but they didn't show up. And that's, there's so many different it's amazing when you break it down how many steps are involved in something as simple as showing up to court because right now our court system only sends out mailers to uh, defendants or victims it, and maybe if you're you know in with a public defender or another lawyer or the prosecutor um, notifies victims by phone but if if you're the defendant and you're homeless you don't have an address to get that mailer and so you might have been arrested for whatever the initial crime was, you'll you might be arrested again for a bench warrant because you missed court, and then down the line, if you're assessed a fine, you might be arrested again for not being able to pay the fine on a probation warrant. So, like, part of the reason we have this large backlog of court cases nationwide, but also locally in Richmond County, is because we rely on old tools, and so it's the, the those gaps that instead of resolving a case you know, whether that person has resources and can pay that fine and that case is done, or whether it's the ways in which we process these cases, you know, it can delay resolving them. And then everybody's, you know, spending more time in the courts because the calendar is filled up with old cases. In your research, and I don't know if you've touched on this, um, but I wonder, are there any states that have this down better than Georgia? Are we average? Are we below average in terms of our response, particularly again, to those most vulnerable individuals? Um, do, do you have any an, enough information to be able to respond to that question? Yeah, so um, there's, a, there's several different um, advocacy organizations that collect data nationwide and compare states. Uh, the Prison Policy Institute did a nationwide comparison in 2018 that showed Georgia is the most carceral state in the nation, mostly because we sentence people to more probation than average, three times the national average time spent on probation. And again, that opens you up to spending time back in jail if you're not able to, um, to complete your probation. And that's one area where the state legislature did pass a law last year, Senate Bill 105, that allows if you do three years of felony probation um, successfully, you should automatically be released from probation. That's automatic in other states. Other states have, you know, had that on the books for, in some cases, decades. And here we're a little bit behind. So that last year, the state legislature said that the Department of Community Supervision, which is in charge of felony probation, is in charge of finding those people who are eligible, who have done their three years and can be released. Um, but it should be about, the, based on internal estimates, it should be about a quarter of probationers who are good and eligible, but it's up to this overwhelmed agency to initiate that process. And based on the numbers, it could be about a thousand people in Richmond County who have done three years clean, no arrests, have completed all the requirements and can be unsupervised at this point, but I, I'm not sure if that process is being initiated, if that new law is making it to be applied to the people it, it, who are eligible. Okay, all right. 
you know, this is um, fascinating stuff. Um, and I think ultimately it's going to be upon us to get the attention of our state legislators uh, on, the, on this uh, issue uh, in order to make some meaningful change. Um, is there anything that our local elected officials could do? Because I know a lot of them are laws that are controlled at state level. Tell us if there's anything our local elected officials could be doing to better address these issues. That's actually the part I'm most passionate about because there are good laws being passed a little late in Georgia compared to other states, but the, in the last two years, especially, there's so many good laws being passed and then they need to be implemented locally. So that early termination of probation is on the state agency, the Department of Community uh, Supervision. Just yesterday or Friday, July 1st, a new law went to, into effect that Senate Bill 10, that allows for the first time the courts to have discretion in whether or not driver's licenses are suspended for missing court. So we already talked about you get that mailer or you don't, you know, and then automatically upon missing court under, pre, under the previous laws, your driver's license was suspended, which opens you up to new charges driving with a suspended license. But just this past Friday, for the first time, the court can say, hey, we know you missed court, maybe you're in the hospital, maybe you called and the mail came after your court date or whatever it might be, we're not gonna suspend your license. And so there's about 2,000 people in Richmond County who get their license suspended for missing court every year. So that's a lot of people who are driving their kids to school, going to work. We don't need to be suspending their licenses. And then another excellent law that just passed last year is Senate Bill 288, which allows for the first time in Georgia misdemeanor convictions to be taken off your record. So there was a great study done by the Harvard Law Review out of Michigan, when they passed this law uh, decades ago, they found only 6% of people got their record restriction restricted, but for that 6%, their wages went up by 22%. So a criminal, yeah, so a criminal conviction can be a big, uh, you know, barrier to better jobs, to better housing. And so I actually, with my, the Augusta Justice Cooperative, I have petitions that people can submit on their own behalf to the court to say, hey, I have a misdemeanor conviction. I want it off my record. It's old, you know, it fits all the criteria in the law. Let's clean my record. So that's 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 something I'm really excited to do. If you know anybody, you know, with an old misdemeanor conviction or two, because the law allows up to two cycles to be cleared, that's something I'm really excited to work on. Okay. So there are a lot of good laws and a lot of local local implementation is is where the I see the most. Uh, work can be done. Okay. Wow. Um, this is an eye opener for me. And I know also folks with criminal records, in addition to being hard to get a job, it's also hard to find a place to live. Yeah. Um, and it's so connected to so much of what the county is already doing. The homelessness task force I'm very involved in, and I'm sure that, you know, overlaps with the courts so often. Um, there's an event coming up that the solicitor and the uh, Richmond County Sheriff's Office are putting on, Operation Lifted Cloud. They recognize that the jail is overcrowded these days. We're at about 1,041 people, uh, if, I, if I'm correct, I, I looked earlier today. And to prevent people from getting into the jail, in August, there will be an event to, lit, to clear people's warrants. If you missed court, uh, probation warrants, if you're, you know, if you find out that you have a warrant out for you for those reasons, 
you can sign up on the county website to get those warrants lifted and deal with those cases. So there is great stuff happening locally. I'm not saying there's just so much to do that the public, it'd be great if people came in and could help with these kind of non-lawyer things that, that the county could use the help with. Okay. And let's talk a little bit about how that help, what form that help, what skill set would somebody need to provide the assistance that you're talking about? I mean, I, I love the data. And so there's, I already have an established data set. You can learn how to take data. Um, there, even if you're not available for court during those hours, um, the data are much easier to search and sort if they're transcribed. In court, we're writing on pen and paper. So if we and put that into a database, that's something you can do on your own time. Um, if you're a landlord who's you know, open to becoming a Section 8 landlord, that's something I hear from the Public Housing Authority. They don't necessarily need more money, they need more landlords willing to deal with, willing to be open to Section 8 uh, vouchers. If you're a teacher and you know that you know one of your parents wants to volunteer in the schools, but their criminal record might be you know, preventing that, send them our way so that, you know, they can clear up that criminal record. Um, you know, there's so many, and there's so many different, I'm sure there's a bunch of ways that I'm not even thinking of. So, you know, just anybody has something to contribute to, to these many issues. All right. This is wonderful information. I know um, I didn't even know the breadth of what you're doing. Um, and there are probably, you know, 99% of the community didn't know that there are ways for them to sort of chip in and, and help relieve this awful burden for folks. You know, sometimes people probably look and say, well, you know, if they did the crime, they deserve whatever they get. But on the flip side, the notion that they've done something relatively minor and still have a stiff, stiff punishment for us. It seems like there needs to be some balance with that. Yeah, and so much, like in our jail being at 1,041 people today, um, more than half, I think it's about two thirds of the folks are in pretrial. So we're not even, the state hasn't proven that they've done what they're accused of doing. So there's a lot of time in between being accused of something and either being proven innocent or guilty. And in that interim, you know, you can lose your job, you can lose your housing, custody issues with your kids, you know, there's so many different things. So I, I'm very excited to find as many people with as many skills and help, you know, kind of ease that burden. Excellent. We just got a short time left. Is there anything else that you want to share with our local matters listeners? No, that that's a lot of it, you know, there's a lot of information packed into a short amount of time. So if you have, if anybody ever has any questions, you know, I'll be doing this work for the foreseeable future. So augustajustice.org, you know, ask me and I, I'm very happy to try to find answers for anybody interested. Okay. All right. Thank you so much for being our guest on Local Matters today. And so much. on behalf of the entire community, we just want to say how much we appreciate your work to ensure uh, justice and fairness for some of our most vulnerable residents. Yeah, and I appreciate this community because there is so much good work to be done and so much, so many people doing good work. And I'm just, I just want to meet them and work with them and help more people. Please check the website of the Augusta Justice Cooperative 
That is AugustaJustice.org to learn more about Dr. Moraine's efforts and how you might be able to volunteer with her organization. Please tune in next week. My special guest will be State Representative Sheila Clark Nelson. Uh, she will be discussing her tenure in the legislature as well as some of the things that our legislators were able to accomplish for us during their session this year. Uh, so that promises to be a really interesting episode. Also join us the following week when our guest will be Ann Streetman Knighton. She is going to discuss her experiences with raising a child who has developmental disabilities, her interactions with the state of Georgia and the services and resources that are provided, uh, how they are sometimes adequate and how they're sometimes not. Thanks again for being a part of the Local Matters family. Tell all your friends and family about us. I close with my favorite Bible verse from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. This show is designed to contribute to each of those, giving you the power that comes with knowledge, demonstrating love for your local community, and offering you wisdom for decision-making so that you possess a sound mind when it comes to these topics. Please tune in next Wednesday at 1.30 p.m. here on WKZK, 1600 AM, 103.7 FM, and WKZK.net, because local matters.